Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't to already. And ring that notification bell on YouTube so you get a notification each time we have a brand new episode go live on the channel. And I'd like to welcome in my co-host for this episode, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I know we have been away for the last few weeks, but we are back. And boy, are we back with an episode. We are back with a very... Exciting episode, but before we get into today's topic, I first would like to dedicate this episode to two individuals, and the first one is to Nier and MVG. You have something to say on this topic? Yeah, um, thanks for thanks for um, that, Nate. Yeah, Nier was someone that was very well known and respected in the emulation community. If you've ever used uh, Beastness or Higan or their more recent emulator known as Ares, I believe. They sadly passed away from suicide a couple of weeks ago, and I did want to dedicate this episode to them. They were an emulation pioneer, a kind and wonderful person. I only knew them really for a short amount of time, but the time that I did spend with them was very, very wonderful. And just a very sad day all around. And if you are in a spot where you need some help, if you want to talk to someone, I suggest you reach out. We'll probably leave some links to some hotlines in the description below if you do need some help. But I do want to, again, dedicate this episode to Nier. Just a wonderful person, really sad. And yeah, I appreciate the the the, the time there, Nate. Yeah, we will put the hotline number and other means of contact information, any pinned comment on the YouTube video. And I'd also like to dedicate this episode to my grandfather who passed away just yesterday. So if I appear a bit scattered in my thoughts or just in orating, that's why it's still very new. It's very fresh. But we did want to record this episode. As we mentioned, we have been away for a while. And this was a hot topic, and, and we wanted to bring it to you today. But again, today's episode is dedicated to the memories of Nier and my grandfather. And we will jump right into today's topic. Nintendo announced the Nintendo Switch OLED model, a very indirect and blunt name because it is exactly what it is. It is an <laughs> OLED-equipped Nintendo Switch. It has a 7-inch OLED touchscreen, 64 gigabytes of storage, and it will have improved sound coming from the built-in speakers. It will have a LAN adapter built into the brand new dock, and that is pretty much it in terms of new features and functionality from this model. And I know the topic of conversation going around today is, is this the Nintendo Switch Pro that has been discussed now for the past six or so months. And to my understanding, this is not the hardware that I have been talking about. And that refers to the 4K DLSS equipped Switch hardware. This is something different. This is actually something that MVG, myself, and John Linneman of Digital Foundry explored several months ago in a video where we contemplated the idea that Nintendo could bring out a Switch XL equipped with an OLED screen in 2021 
but that the Pro with more enhanced hardware would release sometime later, perhaps in the second half of 2022. And that appears to be the scenario that's playing out. And I'm in no way am saying that the pro hardware will come out in the second half of 2022, just that they did go the route of an XL OLED model for the holiday season of 2021. And it's definitely an interesting direction for them to take because overall, I'm not certain if the new functionality and features is enough to justify the $350 asking price for this brand new hardware. And when I look at the current Switch family of products, it almost mirrors the Nintendo 3DS, but not the new 3DS line. With the 3DS, we have the 2DS, which stripped the system of its 3D functionality. We have the standard 3DS, and then we had the switch then we had the 3DS XL. Now when you look at the switch, we have the switch light, which removed the switching aspect of it. We have the switch OG, which is the hybrid model. And now we basically have a switch XL. And it feels as though this is Nintendo's approach to their handheld line now. They want to have three totems. You have the entry point or the affordable model, which is the light or the 2DS, you then have the flagship, which is the hybrid switch, and then you have a more premium, which would be the OLED model. Now, with this announcement of the OLED model, what was your initial reaction to this news, MVG? I think my initial reaction, Nate, was one of not being surprised. Like, I I think that this was the best that Nintendo could give us this year, you know, and you're right. If if Folks want to go back and listen to the DF episode when we had John Linneman on. We, the three of us, sat there speculating that Nintendo is probably going to give us a OLED enhanced version of the current Switch first, and then offer up a revision or a Pro at some point, maybe next year. You know, in 2022, I still think there's a 2022 Pro system coming. But we're not going to talk about that. I mean, we, we want to talk about the OLED stuff. Um, so for me, I wasn't really that surprised by this announcement. Um, I do feel like maybe some people thought that there was going to be more to this. And I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with the articles that came out from Bloomberg where there was talk about a 4K DLSS enhanced Switch Pro or revision that was supposed to come out this year in October. Now, to Bloomberg's credit, they got half of the information correct. They they got the OLED, they got the seven inch screen, they got the October date, correct? To answer your initial question, not really that surprised by it. Um was I underwhelmed? Yes, I think I was. I mean, I feel like for 350, which don't forget a Xbox Series S costs $299, and it's an infinitely more superior system in terms of power and performance. For $350, I'm not really sure if the the upgrades that you're getting really make sense to me, but we'll, we'll definitely dive into that here in, in, in a short while. But mostly underwhelming, not really that surprised by the announcement. And as a developer, 
I think Nintendo is kind of playing it safe, right? I mean, they they don't want to, at least right now, they don't want to, you know, um, mess with the landscape of the Switch. You know, they they want to keep things the way they are. Anything that is not a Tegra X1 is a new chip, which means there is, you know, complications with SDKs and stuff. So right now they're sticking to what what works for them, which is fine. And I think, you know, the other big takeaway for me, Nate, was it seems like this is, it seems like the Switch is going to be around for a while. You know, this is not a seven-year system. This could be a nine-year system. And I feel like the Switch has a lot of lot of juice left, you know, before it ultimately gets updated with, you know, the Switch 2 or what what have you. Yeah, I could definitely see that being the approach that they take with this because like the hardware that I have heard about is still to come. Whether that's a Switch 2 yeah. is really comes down to Nintendo's marketing. They can name it the Switch 2. They can call it the new Nintendo Switch and continue that type of family approach that they have with the 3DS line. And that's stuff that we will find out in the distant future. But as we said, that's not going to be the topic of today's video. We're strictly going to focus on the OLED model. And, you know, the announcement this morning, it did take me a little by surprise. And I will mirror some of your own thoughts. Mm. I was surprised by the the lack of surprise to the unit. Yeah. This is a very conservative approach. It's very safe, isn't it? Yeah, it's very safe. It's very Nintendo. Yeah. It's, we're going to put in a better screen. We're going to up, you know, increase the storage. And, you know, we finally got a LAN adapter. That's pretty (laughs) big for Nintendo because they deprived (laughs) us of that for the better part of a decade. Honestly, I think the LAN adapter plus the Metroid marketing were the two biggest things that came out of that video this morning that I saw. Yes, absolutely. Especially when you think of like the dark tones of the Metroid game and you go to an OLED screen, that's really going to pair nicely. But when I really think of this unit, my struggle is who is this, who is this platform for? Because if you're a new or potential new customer to the Switch product line, you're going to have three options ahead of you. You have the light, you have the high, you have the standard hybrid, yep. and then you have this OLED option, which is going to be $50 higher at retail. So now, for all intents and purposes, OLED is just a buzzword. Yeah. The average consumer doesn't know the difference between OLED, LCD, LED, QLED. So... What does OLED really mean to the mass consumer? Nothing. So it's kind of, it's a buzzword that Nintendo will use in their marketing material, but it's tough to actually show you the benefits that the screen will provide. Yeah. But at the same time, this is a benefit you will only get while in handheld mode. So right. If you play your Switch the majority of the time docked, the only benefit from this system is going to be you now have a LAN adapter. But if that may be, that may not be something that is feasible in your setup where you can run an ethernet cord from your router or modem to your switch. So the main appeal of this platform is really for those who game in handheld mode. So it's almost more of a replacement to the switch light than the hybrid switch, at least in my view. Yeah. And that's a great point because I would have at least expected some type of upscaling to 4k. We know the X one can have resolutions up to 4k and Look, I'm not talking about DLSS. Let's let's not even enter that conversation because that's not even a thing. But I am surprised that Nintendo didn't offer the ability 
to have upscaling to 4K for modern displays, it's still going to be a 1080p native output on in, in docked mode, right? Which means that you're not getting any benefit on you know on your big TV. It's not going to look any different to your base model switch. Now, if you are someone that exclusively plays your switch in handheld mode or you prefer it that way, then yes, you will you will get a bigger screen and it will look nicer. It will look more vibrant and it will pop. So that's great. But if you're someone like me that mostly, I'm not saying always, but mostly has my Switch docked and I'm running it on my 4K television, then it offers nothing for me. And I think that's probably one of the biggest omissions or, or surprises for me that there wasn't anything there. I mean, Again, not not talking about DLSS, just talking about the ability to upscale to 4K natively. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that owl has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. Yeah, this, I mean, that's the confusing thing with this product is that it really doesn't offer anything to the docked only Switch gamer, like aside from LAN support. Yeah. Because the entire selling point of this product is the OLED screen. And obviously that's only going to be utilized when you are gaming in handheld mode or tabletop mode. And it does have a brand new kickstand. Though I've never found myself in a situation where I would utilize the kickstand because... I can just hold the system. But I do wonder partly if Nintendo would have been better mm-hmm. to have equipped the light product line with this OLED screen as opposed to the hybrid model, unless they had included some sort of 4K upscaling, as you had mentioned, just basic yep. 4K upscaling, you know, akin to what we saw with the Xbox one S. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Nvidia Shield can upscale to 4K. Whatever whatever is being utilized there could be utilized on, you know, the OLED switch, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing with the current chipset used by this OLED model and it's also the same chipset used by the V2 and even the Switch Lite. It is the Marico SoC. There is a lot of overhead with that SOC that Nintendo could be utilizing. And instead they continue to prioritize battery life. And, you know, the battery life on this is solid. It's again, targeting four and a half to nine hours, which is impressive. It's the exact same as the V2 or the red box switch, Mm -hmm. but there is a lot of power that could be drawn out from this chipset that they could have utilized, be it 4k upscaling, or just overall better performance from games while in docked mode or even in handheld mode, but they want to prioritize that battery life. And an interesting thing with the OLED screen is, yeah, games are going to pop. The visuals and the colors are really going to be a lot more vibrant on the screen. 
But at the same time, you have to consider some of the games on the Switch, like Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Age of Calamity. Yeah. Games that are not visually impressive by any stretch, especially in handheld mode. Xenoblade Chronicles can drop below 360p. Yep. Now, when you have that on an OLED, a lot of those flaws are going to become even more apparent. You're going to see more of a slightly pixelated image. Yep. So why would you want to equip a system that's using your current internal hardware with a vastly improved screen that's going to further emphasize the shortcomings of your hardware by not providing some sort of performance boost? Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, it's it's a very interesting announcement. You know, like you got to ask, why did Nintendo announce this this model? Other than the fact that they probably are looking to phase out the red box and the base model switch, which I think that's going to happen. I mean, you know, yes, it, it's in, it's inevitable that that model will get phased out, and this will become kind of the the base model switch going forward with the switch light. But you know why? Why do you think they announced this model? I mean, this isn't really offering anything substantial to anyone. Again, other than people that you know want a a better handheld experience. But even that is arguable based on what we just said. That is not. It's not going to offer any better performance at all, other than just nice looking visuals and better audio quality. Right. I mean, nothing else is really apparent. So. Do you think that Nintendo, you know, do you think that, I mean, I, I guess my question is, why do you think Nintendo announced this at this point? I mean, what's the thinking here other than just phasing out the current switch? Or do you think that's really all it is? I think it is a two-prong approach of it. They want to phase out the current switch, the red box and the launch switch, if those are still in production i don't believe they are but do you think that they they'll then rid- drop the price of this to 299 once that that happens because i mean 50 dollars yes. to to a lot of people is a lot of money i mean once you mm-hmm. once you cross that 299 barrier some people will just say i think i'm okay or I'm, i may just drop 199 on a switch light instead yeah i mean right now this is 50 dollars more than an xbox series s i mean think about that and yep. if you bought an Xbox Series S and you decide to spend an additional $50, you could get yourself several months of Game Pass, yeah. which would then allow you to access xCloud and Game Pass from your phone or your PC. You can play it through an Edge browser. So all of a sudden, at $350, you're getting a lot more from Microsoft in terms of dollar value. But I think Nintendo's plan here is they want to phase out the Redbox Switch, and this will eventually replace it fully on store shelves and in the meantime this is all about revenue yeah we know that oled screens have come down in price especially at you know the seven inch range and it's been argued if not proven that a screen of this size that is oled may cost nintendo less than the current is it an lcd screen the current switch has yep or is it led uh i think it's led actually someone will tell us but yeah yeah someone will tell us (laughs) And I, I think the OLED is cheaper for them. And even the upgrade to 64 gigabytes over the 32 gigabytes that's in all of the switches now, that's really a trivial upgrade at this point because everyone that I could see this platform appealing to 
is likely a current Switch owner, so you have a micro SD card of varying sizes. So that extra 32 gigabytes is what? A game? Yeah, it's one game. It's not. Yeah, it's nothing meaningful or that substantial where you would look at your current Switch and say, I got to upgrade to that 64 gigabytes. You have a micro SD card, be it 64 gigabytes, 128, 256, maybe even one terabyte. That 32 extra gigs isn't going to make a world of difference. And I do think this is just Nintendo looking for a higher revenue stream. If I would not be surprised when we get a teardown that we find out the Nintendo Switch OLED model is costing them less to produce than the current Redbox Switch. Yeah, which I was going to ask, right? Because think about like the shareholders meeting. You know, there was obviously questions that were asked and and, and Furukawa was definitely, you know, avoiding answering those directly. But now... Now that we know, how do you think shareholders are feeling about this? I mean, if if Furukara basically is saying, look, the the um, cost of the bill of materials for this is a lot cheaper, but we're offering these at three fifty, I think that will make the shareholders happy, right? At the end of the day, I think that's a positive step for them. But I do question, Nate. How many of these units are going to sell if we start just measuring the sales of these OLED models, you know, by themselves? How successful do you think they'll be? I mean, and I know eventually they will replace the current oh. Switch, but right now, side by side, how do you see this kind of going for Nintendo? You know, that's a really tough question because if we look at the Japanese market, we know the Switch is doing amazingly well in that region. But now you're increasing the size of the product. And Japan is still very handheld, you know, oriented mm-hmm. when it comes to their gaming. Would seven inches possibly sway them, you know, towards disliking the product? Probably not. But I kind of view the positioning of this OLED model similar to the DSI XL. Yeah. Where it's going to sell a few million units, but it's never going to be the powerhouse. Right. Until it's completely, until the prior Nintendo Switch hybrid model is phased out and this is the only option on store shelves. But since that could be 18 months, maybe 24 months, it's going to take a while until we really see that. But I don't see this becoming the lead sale driver for Nintendo within the next year or even 18 months. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the current Switch hybrid option followed by the light. And then I think it will be the OLED because 350 is a premium price. And as we've said, it really doesn't offer much in terms of new features to the you know the dock gamer. Yeah. So there's no reason there's no reason for us right. to upgrade. What do you think about the um the marketing with with um Metroid? Do you think that was a, a good move? I mean, obviously as someone that likes Metroid, I'm I'm happy to see, but do you think maybe it would have been better for them if they paired it with, say, Super Mario Party or just something something else? How do you how do you feel about the Metroid thing? I think Metroid is a smart move because Metroid's right is definitely more of a core, a hardcore game. Mm-hmm in terms of appeal. And I think that's who they want to target with the OLED model at launch. So you want to launch the OLED model with Metroid Dread. Hopefully you're able to drive additional software sales by attaching that game to the launch of brand new hardware. And 
I think they know the OLED model is more for that hardcore enthusiast. Kind of, you know, us. Yeah. Yeah. That type of market. It's not for the casual gamer who wants to play Mario Party. They're not going to go out and buy this OLED model. Mm -hmm. So if you're Nintendo, they can. It's higher revenue for you. You're fine with someone buying this $350 piece of hardware plus a game because, you know, that's just flowing cash right but, but then, i think what about they the, want to target that older audience who maybe cares about oled and they're like yeah. yo look at my look at this awesome oled equipped handheld i have well i agree with you only except for one one nitpick and i i, I want to mm-hmm. stress it's a nitpick but the the tabletop mode right so we saw you know them them yes. playing with these seven inch switches in tabletop mode games like mario mm-hmm. party you know are obviously really suited for that type of gameplay so you know Someone that's playing Metroid, um, like myself, I'm probably again, I'm probably going to play it in docked mode exclusively. Um, but I mean, <laughs> I, I do wonder, you know, um, about the Metroid angle. I, I think it's great that they they did pair it with that game, and I think it's going to help the sales of Metroid. You know, quite honestly. Um, so I, I was pretty happy to see it. But I do, I did, you know, wonder if that was the right right approach. But I mean, what you say does make sense there for sure. I mean, I could I could see Nintendo do another marketing pitch once we're in November or you know early December mm-hmm. when they begin to shift it. You know, whether it be the Pokemon games, yeah, you know Arceus when that comes out early next year, that they really start to position the OLED as the sole Switch model aside from the light in all their marketing. Because if that's the one they want to sell due to the higher price, we'll begin to see that marketing rollout really expand once the platform is actually launched this october but i think for a launch day pairing it with metroid dread is the smart move and then you can just kind of create that more broad appeal after it's introduced because we really don't know how many units are going to launch with this particular yeah unit come this holiday i i mean i think we can safely assume it's going to be in the millions but i do wonder if one thing that we are suffering from, be it the Xbox or the PlayStation, is that resellers are using their bots. They're picking up all pre-orders and they're buying all available stock. I wonder if the Switch OLED is going to be that hot ticket item this holiday because, as we mentioned, if you're not that much of a handheld Switch player, your need for this Switch is going to be significantly less than the handheld focus gamer, but... What percentage of handheld only switch owners are there? Yeah. And is this enough for them to buy a brand new system? Because they may have invested already in a switch light. And, you know, a switch light is a nice sized platform. You have a D pad. Mm-hmm. So if you really are just, you just want to play handheld games in, in your leisure, you may be satisfied with what the light is offering you. So I do wonder. What type of demand we're going to see for this OLED model this holiday? I'm sure it will sell out. It's brand new hardware. Of course, it's going to sell out in the first month or two. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's going to have long-term sellout or if this is something that we see stabilize fairly quickly because it does feel as though it does it has limited appeal because, I mean, as we've reiterated, the OLED is only good for handheld gamers. There, there's nothing here for the docked gamer and there in and of itself creates some limitation of need or even want like yourself. Yeah. Right. Would, are you going to pick this OLED model up at launch? I am, but only because I want to do a tear down. 
Like honestly, Nate, I mean, if I wasn't, if I didn't have a YouTube channel and I didn't want to, you know, tear it down and make a video of it, I probably would just sit this one out, you know, quite honestly, like there's nothing here for me that, that is really that interesting. You know, um, all I want to really do is just take a look at the internals and see what's going on. I mean, look, I think you nailed it. You know, the switch OLED edition or the OLED model is not really geared for someone that already has a switch. I mean, I think the appeal of the OLED model is either to entice new buyers that that want to, you know, get in into the Switch's universe for the first time, or maybe if you have a light and you're kind of frustrated that you can't dock the light and and you know put you know run it on your on your big TV, you know maybe a, a, an option for light owners to to upgrade. But for anyone that has a base model Switch. It's very difficult for me to to see that they will they will take the plunge and, and update. Other than you know the enthusiasts like myself, for example. Yeah, like myself, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get this at launch. I don't have a need for it. I primarily play in docked mode, and for the few hours I may play a week in handheld mode, I don't think three hundred fifty dollars is a price I can justify to myself. At least not right now. Would I? enjoy playing a game like metroid dread on an oled screen in handheld mode absolutely but it's 350 dollars, and even for a potential new customer when you go to the store on october 8th and you see the switch Lite, the red box switch and then you see switch oled for 50 dollars more you're gonna have to you're likely asking a yeah. sales attendant What's the difference between these two models? And they're going to say, oh, when you're playing in handheld mode, it has an OLED screen and you may follow up with, well, what's an <laughs> OLED screen? And you say, it has better contrast. Right. You say, I'm going to take a red box switch because it's cheaper. Yeah. I mean, I think the salesman will probably say it's got a bigger screen. That's it. You know? Yeah. It has a, <laughs> That's has how a I would bigger screen it. And, and it has a better contrast. And, right. <laughs> and for like the average consumer, you're going to take the red box switch because it's cheaper yeah you get all the same functionality save for the lan adapter which i imagine nintendo will eventually sell these docks from the nintendo store online for you know maybe it's a hundred dollars i believe the original docks were somewhere in that price range yep so even if you just wanted that new dock because you want to play game games utilizing that lan adapter you probably will have means of acquiring one without having to buy this brand new system Mm -hmm. and like i think it's going to be a successful system for nintendo i don't want to sound like i'm hating on this product because it's not what we had discussed you know times before it's just i feel as though it has very limited appeal because the lan adapter is good for the docked gamer and the oled screen is good for the handheld yeah gamer but you can't use those in conjunction with each other it's one or the other and it's just a really, this is a difficult product to market. It's not like the 3DS XL where it was, this is a bigger screen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was it because that was the entire platform. There were no other ways to play it. This is a hybrid system with an improved screen that has no appeal to you while playing in docked mode. And docked mode has no performance enhancements, no performance boots, yep. no no means of creating a better playing experience for the user. Yeah. It'll be interesting to hear what developers think about that. Um, I think there'll be some disappointment. I mean, 
you know, if you ask me as a developer, I'm disappointed that that we're not getting any any enhancements there. And you know, ones that are working on AAA, for example, may be really um, not unhappy, but a little, I guess, concerned that you know they have to continue on with with the way things are right now. Um, but look, I think this time next year, Nate, you know, the the red box base and the base model switch, we won't even be talking about those models anymore. I think this will be, you know, sooner rather than later, the the newer kind of base model that that we expect, and and maybe again, don't want to talk about the pro too much, but maybe you know, this time next year, we'll we'll be talking about new hardware. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I do want to touch on is. Do you think this product at this point in time was a mistake for Nintendo? We've seen that games are being held back by this hardware from Nintendo's own publishing partners like Age of Calamity. Yeah. Or we can look at the Xenoblade Chronicle games. These are games that have a poor resolution in handheld mode. They stutter while in docked mode. And the gap is only increasing with third parties now shifting their focus to the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series line of platforms And here's Nintendo in late 2021 coming out with a revision that offers no Mm -hmm. performance enhancements. So do you feel as though this may have been a mistake on Nintendo's part to release this type of revision this late into the console generation? I don't think it was a mistake, but it's definitely of a concern. Let's put it that way. I don't think it was a mistake because... I think it's it's pretty clear to me that Nintendo is not just going to hit us with a whole bunch of new specs and features and a new chip, for example, and, and a new system. I think what they're going to give us is more of an iterative iterative thing, which is where this starts. Because I, I do think whatever comes after this this particular model, the OLED model, will continue with the same OLED screen, but maybe with a higher resolution. Now, going back to your... Your question, however, right now, I don't think it's a mistake. But having said that, I think next year is going to be a very interesting year for the Switch because, you know, there is the new Pokemon Arceus, right? And, you know, there is Breath of the Wild too. And there are new games coming out that we're not really sure, you know, what to expect as far as performance. We've already seen a lot of performance issues coming up with, you know, Age of Calamity, for example, like you said, and and Xeno Xenoblade Chronicles. And I don't necessarily think it's going to improve. So I think you're right. I mean, I don't think it was a mistake. Nintendo is probably very aware of that, you know, of that question. And again, I think they are actively going to address that at some point again probably next year so i'm i'm thinking that they you know they i think they the thinking of this is we'll be fine for the next 12 to 18 months but anything beyond that will be you know will be very difficult for us so i'm thinking that they've got you know a roadmap of of what's coming and they feel confident with with that and I think that's going to be enough for them. So I I think, you know, it's fine for now, but it may not be, you know, in 12 months. And, you know, if we're still talking about this in 12 months and there is nothing kind of that's been added to the Switch family, then, yeah, 
I would be very concerned at that point. Very concerned. Right now, I'm, you know, I'm I'm slightly concerned about it. Let's put it that way. But I, I want to hear your take on this too. To me, it feels as though the OLED model was something that they probably wanted out six to nine months ago had COVID not happened. This feels like this should have been a holiday 2020 product, not a holiday 2021. Because this revision, as we touched on, is really for a limited scope of Mm -hmm. the Switch current base and even potential new customers. Like, yes, an OLED screen is exciting in its own right. But again, as we've talked about, it's only for the handheld gamer. And had this come out last year, and at that point, we're only talking, what, three and a half years into the Switch cycle or four years, depending on how you want to count the years. If you want to say 2018 was the, you know, that's entering the second year. Yeah. However you want to actually count these. But it feels like had this come out in 2020, it would have fit that revision scheduling a little better. This is typically where we're at now is when a generation for a console is nearing its end. Mm -hmm. And this is really just a here you go type of revision. And we've seen Nintendo do this with the DS line numerous times where they just continue to put out these random revisions, be it the DSi XL, DSi XXL. (laughs) And it was just them to get rid of the prior revision and say, this one's cheaper for us to manufacture. We can come in at that same sticker price. Instead, we see Nintendo coming with a higher sticker price with the OLED and likely phasing out the Redbox Switch. But I think you're right that in 12 months, the gap between the Switch and the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series line of consoles is only going to get grander. Yeah. And Nintendo has to give developers something new to work with because if you don't, they're just going to stop porting. Or we're going to see cases like we're seeing with Guardians of the Galaxy. You're going to get more and more cloud versions Mm -hmm. coming to the Switch just so the publisher can make some money on a yeah platform base that at that point will easily exceed 115 million users so nintendo is definitely going to find themselves in a tough spot come next year if they do not introduce be it iterative hardware a switch to a new nintendo switch with more capable hardware so they can get Mm -hmm. some form of ports from these more powerful platforms but, you know, it's it's Nintendo. They're very difficult to predict what they are going to do. Yeah. But I also think of their fiscal year. This year, they put out a huge forecast of upwards of 25 million units for this fiscal year. Yep. Now, you never see a company come into the next fiscal year and all of a sudden drop that by, you know, a large percentage. You might see it go from 25 to, let's say, 20. Even that's a pretty substantial drop. But... For them to forecast such a high number this fiscal year, they have to have confidence moving into 2022 and even beyond. So they're clearly cooking up something. And maybe that is when the 4K DLSS equipped switch is introduced to market in the next coming fiscal year. But right now, yeah, Nintendo is on a good trajectory. But if I'm a developer and you're starting to see the age of the switch become more and more obvious... I think I'd be looking at them saying, we're about to enter 2022. 
the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series just celebrated their first birthdays. The PS4 and the Xbox One are finally on their way out. We need something more from you, or we're abandoning your platform very, very soon. And, I mean, at that point, you can't blame a third-party developer for abandoning the Switch. If Nintendo's not giving you the tools and the power that are necessary for you to port your product over, what can you do? You're not going to make a game for the Switch in mind and upport it Mm -hmm. to the PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series. Right. Yeah, and that's 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 the thing. I mean, the the mm-hmm. budgets. I mean, look, we've seen studios that are, that are experts, like Panic Button. They know that they know the Switch very well. But look at a game like Doom Eternal, right? I mean, on the Switch, that came out that that took a long time in development, right? I mean, you know, Doom Eternal came out on on base, you know, PS4 and and the PC and the Xbox One, but the Switch version came out a lot later than that, and that's because there is more time that's needed to get those games running at a good level of performance. More time is needed to optimize code. And I think, you know, if if that becomes unattainable or unsustainable because, you know, more games are getting more demanding over time and then publishers and, and developers start thinking the amount of money we're going to spend to try to optimize this, the time we're going to take to optimize this to make it run on the Switch just doesn't make business sense for us anymore because we're literally going to be upside down in terms of money we've spent you know, versus the money we're going to generate on revenue, then yeah, I think more developers are going to start questioning, you know, I need, you know, do I really need new hardware right now? And I think the answer as time continues, will more more publishers and more developers will start to say, yes, you know, we we need something more from Nintendo. Again, I think right now it's it's okay. I mean, I don't think there's any cause to be concerned about it, but I do think, yeah, we we need something. And when I say soon, I'm talking about the next 12 to 18 months where, you know, the specs of the hardware are updated to bring it in line with 2022 and beyond. You know, everyone has 4K televisions. A lot of people have either an Xbox One or a Series S or X, PS4 or PS5. We at least need that level of performance. And, you know, hopefully we'll we'll start to see that, you know, over the next 12 to 18 months. Yes, absolutely. And, like, again, I know we're sounding harsh on the Switch (laughs) OLED. And... I mean, I think it has its place in the market. For and sure. Consumers yeah. who consumers who do decide to buy it will enjoy what it has to offer. Yeah. I just have the hard time of visualizing myself handing over $350 for a platform that I only get the benefits from if I play in handheld mode. Yeah, it, when it, I can buy a Switch Lite for $199 for that exact purpose. It's a tough sell, no doubt about it. I mean, we said it was $50 more than a Series S. But another way mm-hmm. to look at it is it's $50 cheaper than a PlayStation 5, right? So, That's you know, there, there's it's it's priced well, I think, but again, I just feel like it needed needs some more features, you know, to really make that 350 a, a sweet spot. Um but, you know, I think I think you're right. I mean, I do expect once the red box and the base switch to phase out, then this will ultimately drop to 299 and then kind of become the, the new de facto standard of the Switch, which is fine. I mean, 
being able to buy a Switch at that price with a bigger screen um, is appealing. But right now, I think Nintendo is playing it the way that they are because they're, they're just trying to, you know, slide this into the, the ecosystem. And yeah, I, I do think that there's probably not too many units that they have up their sleeve. I think the ones that that they already do have maybe. And I, I don't know how many they have ready to sell, but let's say it's between two to five million, right? They'll probably sell out pretty quickly, like you said, in the net, you know, within a couple of weeks, a month, who knows? But they'll be gone pretty fast. Um, hopefully, we won't have a massive shortage, at least initially. But I would say if you are a listener and you are thinking about getting an OLED switch, or if you're wanting to get into the switch for the first time and you this is appealing to you. I'd probably jump on it sooner rather than later because, you know, if the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox Series S and X or NVIDIA graphics cards has taught us anything this year, that is you got to move fast. Otherwise, you're going to miss out and then have to pay stupid reseller costs. <laughs> that, is, that is true. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, you bring up good points there. And, you know, I, I do think, you know, going back to what we were mentioning earlier, for the price of 350 and if you are that docked gamer, I think just having that basic 4K upscaling would have gone a long way. Like, yes, it wasn't going to render the game at 4K. It wasn't going to do really anything that special. It would just help you clean up that image a little bit. I think that would have been enough to entice some double dippers, especially those who have upgraded to a brand new 4K TV like an LG C1 or CX, which is OLED. So now you would be able to enjoy the benefits of OLED gaming on your Switch in both handheld and docked mode, and you get a little cleaner image for, from that 4K upscale. And I think that would have been enticing to gamers had they gone that route. Still not offering that, charging 350, introducing you to OLED gaming, but depriving you of being able to really enjoy in its glory on a 4K OLED display. It feels like they're giving you an appetizer, but they're not ready to yeah. serve you that main course. And yep. maybe the main course will come in 2022 when that DLSS 4K equipped switch is introduced by the company and we're able to enjoy OLED 4K gaming on an LG C1 or CX mm -hmm. or whatever you own and say, all right, let's go. But that's a conversation for a different day in the very distant future. We can go into some of the Streamlab questions we have accumulated over the last couple of weeks. And we had a dollar donation from Liam Werner, who writes, E3 has come and gone, and there was no reveal of Nate the Hate body pillows or Nate the Hate in Smash. My disappointment is immeasurable, and my day is ruined. I might be the last character. <laughs> <laughs> we then had a $5 donation from Symphonic Balance, who writes, I'm not surprised the Super Nintendo Switch wasn't at E3 due to the chip shortage. The Breath of the Wild 2 trailer showing Link falling through the clouds resembles Skyward Sword. I wonder if there's a reason why. With 2021 schedule done, maybe Zelda Collection in spring. If there is a Zelda Collection for early 2022, I would imagine it would probably come after the conclusion of this fiscal year and the Zelda anniversary. So it probably would have to be May, uh, April 1st and beyond. Yep. We then had a $5 donation from Call Another Barry, who writes, love the podcast, got a 
five head theory, Pauline was in the original Donkey Kong game and Mario Odyssey. So what if that rumored Donkey Kong game is in fact a Super Mario Odyssey spinoff or sequel? The Odyssey team is supposedly making this game after all. Thoughts? That is a pretty good theory. Hmm. See, it's not the thing with the Donkey Kong games. It's not the exact Odyssey team. It is a team within that division of Tokyo, EAD. Mm -hmm. So they could be collaborating through some means that maybe it resembles a Mario Odyssey spinoff in some way. But, you know, when we see the new Donkey Kong game, I definitely have high expectations for it. We then had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes, With EA releasing the Mass Effect Legendary Edition and the Crisis Remastered Trilogy, do you think they will continue this trend with Dead Space? Well, luckily, it seems we will be getting Dead Space news very soon at EA, EA's, what is it called, Play yep. event in just a couple of weeks. It appears that Dead Space is due for a revival. I have my thoughts about Dead Space that I don't necessarily want to go into um, because <laughs> I'm going to get mad thinking about it, but I don't know how I feel about a Dead Space revival. Let's put it that way. Without Visceral at the helm, you're unsure? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Reviving that franchise and parading its corpse around, I'm not a fan of that at all. But, hey, <laughs> prove me wrong, EA. Please prove me wrong. <laughs> well, maybe in a couple of weeks we'll have our answer. Then had a $5 donation from Zombie Porin, who writes, Keep up the good work with Nintendo bringing back Pokemon Snap, Advance Wars, and a new non-remake 2D Metroid. Do you think Nintendo is going to bring back another long-dormant IP to the Switch? If so, what are your way-too-early predictions? Oh, boy. Um, I've always I'll just say... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you, I was going to say Golden Sun. I mean, for me, it's always been F-Zero. Like, I feel like they can <laughs> they can give us a new F-Zero game. I mean, they have to they have to make it 2021, but I feel like they could they could do that. Yeah, I mean F-Zero, I'll say Golden Sun, maybe like a wave race. Yep. Something like that. Something yeah. from that N64 GameCube era I could see them returning to maybe in the next five years. That had a dollar donation from Matthew Hammond, who writes, MVG mentioned on the Nintendo review of E3 podcast that he was going to play the new Fatal Frame on the PlayStation. I thought Nintendo co-owns the IP with Koei Tecmo and had exclusive publishing rights, which made it exclusive to Nintendo platforms. I believe Nintendo may have divested themselves from that ownership because Fatal Frame is coming to PlayStation, Xbox, and PC, as well as the Switch later this year. So Nintendo definitely did something regarding their claim to the Fatal Frame franchise with Koei Tecmo. Yeah. Matthew Hammond then followed up with a $5 donation, writing, I ran out of room from my previous donation. Do you have any update from last week on what happened with Fatal Frame and Nintendo <laughs> exclusivity. I am perplexed since Nintendo has been reluctant to put characters on competing consoles 
like Samus and Fortnite. Yeah, as we were saying, I think Nintendo just divested themselves from their ownership stake in the Fatal Frame franchise. Yeah, and that was a surprise for me when I when I saw that it was coming out for yeah. pretty much everything. Yeah, that was surprising because it was in the direct. And I was like, oh, sweet, they're bringing Fatal Frame. And then a few minutes later, like it's coming to every platform. I was like, oh, neat. <laughs> then had a dollar donation from Symphonic Balance. Writes, the wording that they're aiming for 2022 for Breath of the Wild 2 tells me they're probably trying to aim for mid-November 2022, given prior release trends. However, Zelda games always get delayed without pandemic complications. So I'm expecting it to release spring 2023. It's not, probably yeah, not a bad expectation. That's, a, that's actually a pretty good expectation for me. Yeah, going with that ex- expectation, if it comes out second half of 2022, you can be pleased and surprised at it sooner than you were you know, anticipating. And if it comes out in early 2023, you can say, well, this is what I thought would happen. That's a good approach. Then had a $10 donation from Annoying Navi. Writes, do you think Twilight Princess on Switch would require the Wolf Amiibo to enter the special dungeon? And do you think Tingle Bottles will return in Wind Waker? Thank you. I would hope Nintendo would learn and not keep the special dungeon locked behind the wolf amiibo and the tingle bottles since that relied on Miiverse, i would imagine that feature would be removed then had a dollar donation from alan who writes is there something to read is there something to read into the botched patch issues recently by nintendo 12.003 My Switch is still receiving errors when trying to download games, and it sounds like Nintendo is telling people to keep pressing re-download until it works. Seems odd. Yes, the rollout of those firmware updates from Nintendo seemed, I don't want to say rushed, but it didn't feel as though it met Nintendo's quality assurance. I'm not sure why they had so many issues with those rollout of firmware updates during that span of time, but I believe they have been able to rectify it with the most recent firmware update. Yeah. And look, I want to say real quick, just on that, um, everything is, you know, tested by humans, right? And there's going to be situations where things fall through the cracks. There is an amount of automated testing that, that goes on, but usually when things are tested like this, it, it involves um, humans and sometimes things just slip through and they may have effects like what you're seeing. But yes, the I think the newest 12.1.0 um, should address all that stuff. Then had a $5 donation from SketchDog. No question. And then had a $5 donation from Hero of Time. Who writes, username pronounced Hero of Time. I've been waiting to play Metroid Prime 3 for years now since around the time I finished 2, the trilogy rumors started popping up. Should I still wait for the Switch port or go ahead and play on Wii U? Love the show. At this point, I think I would advise you just to play Metroid Prime 3 on the Wii U if you have means to do so, because 
there still remains some uncertainty as to when the trilogy will eventually find its way to the Switch. Yes. But there's no reason to deprive yourself of playing Prime 3 now. Absolutely. Um, I would not wait. You know, you're going to get a great experience playing that game, so I would just jump in. Mm-hmm. Then had a $3 donation from T-Bone85, right? What happened to Zelda's 30? What happened to Zelda's 35th? <laughs> were there actual plans in place or were people just assuming it would happen based on general rumors, the Wind Waker Twilight Princess rumors, and that Nintendo celebrated Mario's anniversary last year? So much hype and speculation for nothing. Well, I, I can the- talk about my my kind of feelings and that you may have a different one, but for me, I was expecting that, and maybe this was a little naive, right? And in hindsight, you know, maybe I had the wrong thoughts, but Mario was a little subdued because, you know, E3 got canceled and COVID. So we kind of felt like that Zelda would be bigger and better overall, right? It would offer more than than what Mario had. But like I said, maybe that was the wrong approach for me because it's obvious that the 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 effects of COVID are probably worse this year than they what they were last year, and I think for me that's probably why. Yeah, I mean, I was definitely anticipating more from the Zelda thirty fifth, not based on like any information, but just how Nintendo treated Mario's thirty fifth, and knowing that Nintendo likes to bring prior generation games over to the Switch, so titles like Twilight Princess and Wind Waker seemed like good candidates for our 35th anniversary celebration. You already have the Wii U versions done, so the port job to the Switch would be quite minimal. You wouldn't need a large staff to do it. It would be a very low-cost investment for Nintendo to you know, begin such a project. So that type of stuff just made sense. Even making a pin set and things like that, it just made sense that Nintendo would have celebrated Zelda's 35th in a similar way to what they did with Mario. But I don't believe... Any of it was really based on information as much as just expectation given Nintendo's history and how they typically approach games, you know, anniversary years and prior. Then had a $3 donation from Symphonic Balance, who writes, there were some interesting announcements at Microsoft's E3 that now has a, that's now at a crossroads. Do you think... I should purchase a Series X knowing I can play these games on PC. Current desktop is five years old and I'm already planning to upgrade my PC soon. Microsoft doesn't care where you play their games, be it on an Xbox or a PC. Play on, if the games can be played on your PC, play the games on your PC. You'll be able to enjoy them and that's Microsoft's goal. They want you to be able to play their games on any device that is compatible with their service and ecosystem. Then had a $3 donation from Brizo, who writes, great work, guys. Do you still think that we will see a new retro system on Nintendo Switch Online this year? Or do you think Nintendo just isn't interested in expanding those offerings? This year... I mean, I'd give this year a 50-50 chance that we would see Game Boy or like N64 added to Nintendo Switch Online, but it's really difficult to guess what Nintendo's doing with Nintendo Switch Online. They really can't even stick to a schedule when it comes to adding Super NES games to the service. 
So when it comes to hardware, it's really anyone's guess as to whether or not Nintendo will one day add another platform. I agree with that. I mean, it'll probably just be one of those left field announcements, you know, like the Mario Party um, patch, right? That just came from nowhere, right? Like, I, I think one day out of the blue, who knows when it will be, they'll just Twitter drop, hey, we've updated Nintendo Switch Online and we're offering these new systems. And that'll be that, you know, like no one really knows, you know, what the state of that is right now, other than obviously Nintendo themselves. Yes. We then had a dollar donation from Quartzite12. Writes, more hyped for Dread than I have been for any game in a long time. Was wondering which 2D Metroid game is your favorite. Love the show. Thanks. I'd probably say Metroid Zero Mission. I would still say Super Metroid is my favorite. Um, Big fan of Zero Mission and Fusion, though. Big, big fan of those games. But for me, Super Metroid was really what got me into Metroid in the first place, and I think it's still Mm -hmm. the the best one. Yeah, definitely a fantastic game, and it's on Nintendo Switch Online, so if you haven't played it, you can definitely boot that up. Then had a $13.81 donation from Craig. The rights, hi, Nate, and MVG. Following Nintendo's E3... How do you feel about Nintendo's hardware forecast for this financial year? I don't see anything big that would attract significant new consumers. Maybe relying on Q4 with Arceus and anything unannounced or a pro release. Nintendo has their work ahead of them when it comes to achieving those fiscal year hardware sales. I don't know if the introduction of Switch OLED is going to propel them to that figure, but the Switch has been selling well worldwide up to this point just on the standard hardware and their evergreen roster of software options. So with two Pokemon titles coming out still this fiscal year and the revivals of franchises like WarioWare, even Advance Wars, I think Nintendo will come close. If They likely will hit that figure. They wouldn't have put out such an aggressive number if they weren't confident in achieving it. But they, it does appear that they lack the software that you would have anticipated for such a ambitious goal. Then had a $5 donation from Caesar. Writes, hello, Nate and MVG. Just wanted to say thank you for all your great content. Keep up the, great, keep up the good work. Do you think Nintendo would produce more Metroid Dread Collector's Editions? I really want to get one. But the scalpers' prices are absurd. Thanks. I would imagine Nintendo will have additional Dread Collector's Edition go live on online retailers leading up to launch day. But it's definitely going to be one of those cases where you probably have to be online at the right time with the right alerts set up to notify yourself that they are in stock. But hopefully you're able to secure one. I'm sure sure they will continue to go in and out of stock for the next few months. Then had a $10 donation from Revive Bionicle. Writes, never played Advance Wars, but was interested by what they showed in the Direct. However, when I saw the price, I was shocked. Can you help me understand whether this release is worth full price? Is it a nostalgia tax or is there value I'm unaware of? Um, I mean, Advance Wars 1 and 2 are fantastic Game Boy Advance games. and I mean, content-wise, they are quite hefty. 
uh, I mean, I would probably be speaking from a point of nostalgia myself, but I think the game is going to be worth the $60 asking price. It will have online multiplayer, but I could definitely see your hesitation since you are unfamiliar with the franchise. Uh, what about you, NVG? You think it's worth $60? I think wait and see on, on this one. I mean, on paper, I think it is worth the money, you know, but I think definitely mm-hmm. check, you know, just take a look at reviews and, and and make a decision on that. Sometimes, you know, I don't agree with Nintendo's pricing on things. Um, I think, you know, at this point in time, I'm okay with it. But, you know, again, let, let's maybe take a look at the 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 game when it comes out and, and see if it's really worth mm-hmm. worth the money. But either way, it's a fantastic game. You will get many, many hours of enjoyment out of it. Um, so even that alone, you know, should make it the price of admission worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely, I could definitely see where $60 can be jarring to someone and they want to take, you know, a little more hesitation towards that particular product. And I mean, my initial reaction was, wow, that's going to be $60. But it is a it is a pair of quality games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, wait for reviews and see if it meshes well. Maybe Nintendo will release a demo for it if, you know, they're giving. Maybe. Then we had a $15 donation from Balan Wonderland is GOAT. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, I love the podcast. You guys are always interesting here and on the Spawncast. My question, is there any chance for remakes, remasters of the Lord of the Ring games either on PlayStation 2, GameCube, or even one on Game Boy Advance? These are some of my favorites. I would imagine that would come down to Warner Brothers. Yes. But those were good games. The hack and slash Lord of the Ring games. Yeah, Warner Brothers, it'd be up to them at this point. And I believe EA published those games on the PS2, Xbox, and GameCube, and even Game Boy Advance. So EA may still have some claim to the publishing rights of those particular titles. So it sounds like it could be a licensing nightmare. Yeah. So I would say odds are probably very, very low. And we had a $1 donation from Alan, who writes, Thinking of the Switch Pro, I notice there really hasn't been a revision of a console, just the handhelds. Also, the average time between console releases are five and a half years. I kind of think the Switch Pro will be more of a new console and less of a revision. That is <laughs> certainly possible when Nintendo brings out the Switch Pro with actually meaningful changes in terms of performance so it really comes down to their marketing and how they want to position it if they want to position it as a brand new switch and call it switch 2 or if they just want to position it as a new switch it's all nintendo's marketing and wording and branding of the product but that's something that we will not hear of hopefully again for at least 12 months then had a three dollar donation from cool dude super noob right my Day one switch is a bit short on battery life today. Should I get an OLED model with its better screen and better battery life to use the older model as a portable homebrew machine or sell to a suitable homebrew enthusiast to justify a new system? I think that really depends on if you still want to use your switch for homebrew. I mean, if you have a modded or moddable homebrew enabled switch, and you're okay with giving it up, I think you'll you'll get a good price for it because, you know, there's only 
I'll say 15 million of those out right now and that'll never change. So if you're willing to to part with it, then I would say go for it. You'll you'll definitely get your money's worth to be able to buy an OLED switch, but if you want to retain that and enjoy the fruits of the homebrew community, then I would suggest yeah, hold on to it and maybe just get a a new OLED model switch. Mm-hmm. We then had a follow-up question from Cool Dude Super Noob, donated one dollar. Who writes? Nintendo never said more power and 4K was coming, so who is to blame for disappointment in the OLED announcement? Leakers and articles citing improved specs of the internet and people for creating a false hype. I don't think anyone's it- to blame. I mean, let's let's be clear on that. I mean, there's probably so many things that that have happened behind the scenes that we just don't even know about, right? Like you could say that Bloomberg's report was was misleading or incorrect, but they got a lot of that information correct, including the date. You know, they said October, they said OLED, they said seven inch screen. You know, so a lot of the information they did get was correct. So I don't think you know it's really uh, you know a good idea to kind of put, put the blame on people. I mean, I think when these when these things come out, these reports come out, or or we hear about new information, it's really up to you on how you decide how you want to digest that information. Um, I don't think there's any any reason to go after these people because it wasn't 100% accurate. You know, there's most of these things that leak or we hear about in reports don't usually end up being 100% accurate anyway. So I think really just, I mean, I don't think there's any any reason to blame anyone at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, it's very difficult to get the information 100% flawless. And sometimes information is conflated with other information because of, you know, just timing, regional differences, or it could just be, hey, I know of this device and someone is talking about another device and all of a sudden your source says, oh, they must be one of the same, but they're actually two different things. It's it's not as black and white as people like to yeah. assume. There's a lot that goes into this, and it's a lot like a weather forecast. When a meteorologist is forecasting a, you know, a storm or even day-to-day weather, they look at various weather models, and they have to pick the one with the least amount of errors. They don't look for the one that's most right. They literally look for the one with the least amount of error, and that's what they come up for their forecast. And that's a lot what getting inside information or just getting information in general is about. You try to find the information that has the least amount of errors and then you create a report. Mm-hmm. Some of it is going to miss, but you hope the majority of it is accurate. And if you can look to the Bloomberg report and the majority of it was accurate, yes, the 4K DLSS element is still withstanding. But that could have been, as we touched on earlier, that may be a separate device that just got conflated in conversation and through the reporting process, I thought it was one of the same. And that's how you get this mix up. But yeah, there's, there's no one to blame. It's treat inside information as a thing, as a forecast of what may come. It's not gospel. It's not going, it's not concrete. Things will vary report to report. Something may not stick. But it's a vision of what may happen, and you should treat it as, you know, potential or possibilities, mm-hmm. not one hundred percent gospel truth. Uh, dude, I'm just glad that we don't have to talk about the Switch Pro for a while. 
<laughs> yeah, we got the OLED now. <laughs> then the final donation for the Streamlabs cycle comes from Selendrith, donated $10, wrote, In your view, is it due to shortages of chips that there's no 4K in the new Switch version? I, I don't believe that's what's happening here i could definitely see that line of thinking is that maybe nintendo had plans for that and then due to what has occurred with the chip shortages they had to make a pivot sometime last year yeah and they said what do we have available we have ample supply of the marico chips they're like you know what we want to get that oled model out let's get it out let's just use the supply we have i could see that pivot potentially making sense I can't say for certain that is what happened, but I can understand the theory there. But yeah. I think it's just the conversations that we're discussing a 4K switch was just a different product. Like we discussed in a previous podcast is that this was a separate product that myself and other outlets were hearing about. And somehow the information just became conflated and the two meshed into one. But that, that's just my theory on this matter. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, a, it's an interesting theory as well. You know, Nintendo may have always had ideas about bringing out a revision of the Switch. And look, things happen. Chip shortages happen. You know, maybe they were ready to go. They had the screen. They had the new dock. They had the new features planned. But maybe at the end of the day, NVIDIA isn't ready. You know, maybe maybe they're not going to be ready for a while. Maybe the new chips haven't left the R&D lab. I mean... And that's that's really again where we're putting our tinfoil hats on and speculating at this point. But um, you know, there's there's definitely merit into thinking that you know there mm -hmm. there is a chip shortage here that that's affected this in some in some capacity. Yeah, and as I've said elsewhere, as far as I know, as recent as April and early, even early May, that the chip that was to be used in the meaningful Switch Pro, as we called it still had not been taped out so work could still be going underway on the chip and that was one of the points of contention when we were talking about a 2021 release date for the pro was that it was technically possible they could have made it happen but it also felt like it would have been rushed or they would have had limited supply for those reasons and that's what gave us a lot of hesitation in the topic and as we see now the 2021 product was in fact not the pro that we had discussed time and time again. It was the an OLED Switch XL, which we discussed as a possible avenue of exploration several months ago. And that ended up being the correct course that Nintendo took. So there's a lot there that's also being discussed and being thrown around. And plan, plans can change on the fly. A yeah. chip could have hit a delay. This is a very fluid industry. Things are changing by the minute. So it could have been a plan Nintendo had and they scrapped it all you know very recently. We don't know. And it does sound like, based on a tweet Jason Schreier put out earlier today, that maybe Bloomberg will have an article in the near future talking about maybe what happened or how they potentially got the two units confused. If that happens, you know, it will give some clarity to the situation. But that's doesn't seem like it's a certain, you know, it's not a certainty. But mm -hmm. you know, we'll see if a, a future article comes out to discuss that topic matter. And that will conclude today's episode of Nate the Hate. I'd like to thank my co-host MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Nate. Thanks for having me. And you can find 
his channel linked in the description below. And once again, today's episode is dedicated to the memories of Mir. Your contributions to the industry will be preserved forever. And to the memory of my grandfather, who passed away earlier this week. As always, thank you, everyone who joins in and listens to these and shows support, be it on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. We appreciate it. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.